Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Fort Belknap Indian community is taking on the federal government over what they say is inadequate law enforcement funding. Their lawsuit highlights questions from some other tribes about how money for tribal police is distributed. Tribal officials say their inability to hire and retain an effective number of officers jeopardizes the safety of their citizens. We'll get a look at what the tribe is up against coming up right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native organizations are celebrating the passage of the Native American Housing Assistance and Self-Determination Act reauthorization, also known as NAHASDA. It was included as an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act of 2023, which was passed by the U.S. Senate last week by a vote of 86 to 11. NAHASDA helps provide affordable housing to American Indian, Alaska Native, and Native Hawaiian communities. It has not been been reauthorized since 2013. In a statement, National American Indian Housing Council Executive Director Chelsea Fish said, NAHASDA has been a successful and supportive program since its inception and allows tribes to create their own housing plan. National Congress of American Indians Executive Director Larry Wright Jr. in a statement called it a victory for Indian country and said now the focus is on the house for its full implementation to help improve living conditions across Indian country. The amendment would reauthorize Nahasda for seven years. Among provisions, it would provide greater local control over programs, streamline environmental reviews for tribal housing projects, and incentivize private partnerships. U.S. Representatives Mary Peltola and Pete Stauber have introduced legislation they say will end 50 years of unfulfilled promises. The Unrecognized Southeast Alaska Native Communities Recognition and Compensation Act. The legislation would allow the communities of Haines, Ketchikan, Wrangell, Petersburg, and Tenakee to form urban corporations and receive land entitlements under the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act of 1971, also known as ANCSA. It would amend ANCSA to provide the five communities with the right to form corporations and receive more than 23,000 acres or one township of federal land, which was granted to other Southeast Native communities more than 50 years ago. A version is in the Senate. In a statement, the representatives called it an unjust error and said it's long overdue to correct it. ANCSA divided 44 million acres of land among more than 200 regional village and urban corporations to resolve land claims in Alaska, but did not include the five southeast communities. A community college in Winnebago, Nebraska, Little Priest Tribal College, celebrates its 25th anniversary this September. Deborah Van Fleet has more about the school. Little Priest President Manoj Patil says a common misconception is that only Native Americans can enroll, but the student body has been roughly 78% Native American and 22% non-Native students in recent years. He says they're looking forward to the groundbreaking for a major new science building in the next several weeks. We got a $1.2 million NSF grant two years back, and that's how we started the chemistry and the biology program. And that is now leading to the construction of a $6 million, 12,000 square foot brand new state-of-the-art building. Little Priest offers an Associate of Arts degree in three areas, an Associate of Applied Science in two, including diversified ag and cannabis studies, and an Associate of Science in five. It also offers a certificate program in certified nursing assistant. 
Tuition has been free since the summer of 2020. The college is part of the Nebraska Transfer Initiative and also has transfer agreements with private Nebraska colleges and universities. Patil says Ho-Chunk language and cultural preservation is a major focus at Little Priest. Camden Cleveland graduated from Little Priest Tribal College with honors and as valedictorian in 2021. He has since earned a bachelor's degree at Wayne State College, where his coursework was free because of the agreement between the colleges. Cleveland says the diversity at Little Priest helped prepare him for what he found at Wayne State. You got kids from all over the country at Wayne State, and with help from like the staff at Little Priest Tribal College, that kind of just made me understood where they're coming from, too. I'm Deborah Van Fleet. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45 plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. Fort Belknap Indian community officials say they cannot hire and retain the number of officers needed to adequately patrol their land. They say the lack of funds from the Bureau of Indian Affairs means low response times and has even resulted in tragedies that could have been prevented. The tribe is joining a list of tribes, including the Oglala Sioux and Northern Cheyenne tribes, suing the federal government for what they say is fair compensation. Today on our show, we'll hear from tribal officials about the state of law enforcement on the Fort Belknap Reservation and the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. We also want to hear from you. Are you from a tribe that needs better law enforcement? What is the federal government's role in law enforcement for your tribe? Join the conversation by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We won't be hearing from the BIA in today's show. An agency spokesperson said they aren't able to provide anyone by showtime today. We have four guests on the line right now. Joining us from the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation in Montana is President Jeffrey Stiffarm. He is the president of the Fort Belknap Indian Community. He is Aani and Nakota. Jeffrey, welcome to NAC. Good morning, and um, thank you for this time to um, allow us to tell our story. It's happened to our people here at Fort Belknap, and I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to the conversation, too. Thank you. Also speaking with us from Fort Belknap is Gary Lemire, Jr. He is the supervisory criminal investigator for the Fort Belknap Indian community. He is Aani. Gary, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we have Gene Lavaldo, who is in Fort Belknap, too. He is the Grovon at-large council member for the Fort Belknap Indian community. He is Aani and Nakota. Gino, welcome to Native America Calling. Hey, good morning. I'm glad you could have us on. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Our fourth guest is on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. John Grinsell is a supervisory criminal investigator for the Northern Cheyenne Tribe, and he is a Northern Cheyenne citizen. Thanks for joining us, John. Good morning. I'd like to say good morning to my other guests also. Welcome, John. Appreciate that, that introduction. Jeffrey, I'd like to begin with you, and if you could please explain for our listeners why is the tribe resorting to this lawsuit against BIA over law enforcement funding? Is it, have you just reached a, a dead end with regard to other types of negotiations? Well, um, it started back in uh, 1997. Um, prior to that, the, the law enforcement was, was provided by the Bureau of Indian Affairs that had um, BIA cops here at Fort Balnap. In the fall of 97, the tribe reassumed the contract and wanted our own people to police our people. And at that time, our base funding was $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I was a police officer then when we took over. And the contract that was negotiated at that time was um, for 10 officers at $10 an hour with that base funding of $1.2 million. And um, throughout the years, uh, you know, BIA would come in and, and do their reviews of programs, and of course, we'd fail every time. You know, and the most major reason why we'd be failing our reviews is because of the lack of funding to properly police our, our, our people here at Fort Belknap. Okay. Now, fast forward ahead to where we're at in 2023. You know where our base funding is at now? I think it's, it's right where it was then. Right, yeah, right. $100,000 more. Okay. Jeffrey, we could just back up just a minute, please. And could you explain that in 1997, that decision to re, uh, <clears throat> reassume the contract from BIA for law enforcement, what prompted that? What motivated that? Well, at that time, I believe um, I wasn't involved in politics then, but what I was told then was a, was the lack of officers for proper coverage, the lack of uh, investigation of serious crimes uh, here at Fort Belknap. But the biggest thing was, you know, I think they only had about four or five officers here. When we took over, there was two, and they were supposed to stay here at midnight, and they left at four, you know. And the, at the time, the tribe had uh, hired 10 new guys that had really no experience or training, you know, to take over uh, public safety here at Port Bala. And It was pretty rough for a few years until we got people trained up through the police academy and started getting experience. But... I, I did my career through them, through Port Bound for 20 plus years from uh, 95 as a gay morning, and I ended up, you know, was done when I was the chief of police. But my my concern was, you know, they never increased any funding. And then when I got into politics, council, tribal councilman, um, six years ago, you know, I went to D.C. and lobbied for more money. And their answer to them was they'd always tell us, um, we don't have any more money to increase your base funding, but here's seventy-five thousand, here's ninety thousand. You know, go away now. We give you some money. You know, and I, to me, I called it hush money to shut us up to keep quit pushing the issue of increasing our base funding. And what was really frustrating with me was, you know, you see these um, BIA-run departments that uh, run uh, that are not run by the tribe and. Their base funding is two or three times the amount as of, of what they're giving to the tribes. Mm-hmm. And their response is always, we have no more money to give you to increase your base funding. And it tells you the story. 20, 23 years 
a, a 638 contract in our, our law enforcement, and they only increased our base funding just over 100000 Okay, you know, and it's pretty sad. All right, and Jeffrey, another quick question. Are, when a tribe reassumes a contract like that, is BIA obligated to fund them at the same level as as other tribes of similar size and, and land base? Or is there any kind of formula that they use to come up with how much they're going to fund a specific tribe when it reassumes that contract? Yes, they're supposed to fund it as if they was running the department themselves. And um, our CI that's going to be speaking here pretty soon, Mr. Lemire, He'll tell you, he, he worked for the BIA for a while, and Mr. Gwenzel, he has a lot of experience with that. He was a higher-ranking BIA official. It tells you the, how, how they, I don't know the formulation of how they go about uh, disturbing the defines. I believe it's through the calls for service, the calls okay. for serious crimes and stuff like that. But um, to me, I, I don't agree with it. Um, four or five offers to cover about 700,000 acres, it, it, it's not fair to our community members that better um, public safety. Okay. And, and what's the result here? I mean, what is the current state of law enforcement there at Fort Bell? I mean, you mentioned earlier this funding has remained relatively stagnant for, geez, like over 25 years. So what's the impact here on the community? Well, it's to me, it's it's not only a, a um, public safety issue, it's an officer safety issue. The community members know we have one officer covering the whole reservation. So he was, he's responding to serious crimes alone, and the people that are calling in for help know they only have one officer responding, and maybe they say it's a domestic violence call. Those are the one worst calls you could be responding to alone, you know, because it gets pretty um, pretty out of hand. But the people know, you know, we only have one officer that's going to respond. So they tend to um, make prank calls to get them out of an area, say if they're going to push drugs in here, they're coming in with a shipment. They'll make a call, say it's going to be out to one of our housing sites on the south end of the reservation. So these people can come in on, um, I guess, undeterred. There's, they know there's no cops around because there's only one cop. It's that and easy. Then, just, you just make a print yes, call yes. and get that cop out of the way, and then you're home free. Yep, they know we only have one officer responding. Okay. And backup times usually 30, 45, up to an hour out. depends on what area of the reservation you're going to be on. And... Um, I'm worried about the officer safety also, not only the public safety as citizens, but um, our officers, too, that are responding alone to the serious calls. Uh, absolutely. Jeez. Um, really, really uh, shocking here what we're listening to. Anybody with a question or comment, give us a call. Let us know what you think. Maybe you're from one of these communities. You're from Fort Belknap or you're from Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. Let us know what you think uh, as a community member. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Before a guest, I want to go, or excuse me, before break, I, I want to bring in our next guest, Gary Lemire, Jr., who is the Supervisory Criminal Investigator for the Fort Belknap Indian Community. And Gary, you've worked with uh, BIA law enforcement agencies and other tribal communities. Are these funding issues at Fort Belknap on par with what you see elsewhere? Are the disparities at Fort Belknap unique? No. Um, when it came to working with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, um, they, we, we had no issues with funding. We had no issues with staffing. We had no issues with... Um, uh, providing uh, just the law enforcement, you know, beyond the basic law enforcement services um, as far as resources. We, we had no issues 
with providing um, additional services, you know, like uh, victim specialists, school resource officers, providing canines and drug enforcement. We had none of those issues as um, as opposed to the, the working with the tribe here. Well, we're pretty much basic bare bones law enforcement. Uh, we get a call, we respond to it, uh, make arrests, um, that type of just basic law enforcement services. Okay. Um, now you worked uh, previously with the Mescalero Apache Law Enforcement uh, Agency down in New Mexico. Can you kind of compare and contrast the two agencies in, in terms of how these funding discrepancies operate? Right. Um, so at um, the Fort Belknap, we, we were roughly $1.2 million, you know, for the entire uh, program budget. That, that includes operational costs um, and uh, payroll. Um, down at Muscolero, I, I think it was way above that just for personnel alone. Didn't, didn't didn't uh, include operational costs. Uh, so we're getting roughly 50% of what the BIA gets here. Well, that's okay. right. Okay. We're going to have to take a, a short break here, but when we come back, Gary, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask, uh, you know, this number, this figure at 1.2 million, apparently it's not adequate. So I think our listeners would really benefit in, in knowing what is an adequate number? How much does this community need to be adequately funded with regard to its law enforcement? So, Gary, that's my question to you when we come back from this short break. Listeners, chime in here. We've got a great show going, learning about some of these law enforcement funding discrepancies, disparities there with tribes in Montana and elsewhere. 1-800-996-2848. That's our phone line, and they're open right now. So give us a call. The blockbuster film Oppenheimer paints a portrait of the famous scientist behind the creation of the first atomic bomb. The movie leaves out how his major achievement had lasting detrimental health consequences for some Native Americans both at the time and in the decades since. We'll give context to the story of the atomic bomb on the next Native America Calling. Huaka. Yuragayaganik <laughs> Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're discussing Fort Belknap's lawsuit over lack of law enforcement funding. We also want to hear from you. In what ways is law enforcement lacking where you live? Is there a need for more police and investigators? Tell us by calling 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Gary Lemire Jr. is a supervisory criminal investigator for the Fort Belknap Indian community. And Gary, the funding there for law enforcement at Fort Belknap has remained at about $1.2, $1.3 million for more than 25 years. Uh, so how much funding is needed now here? Click ahead to 2023. How much money would be is needed for that law enforcement agency at Fort Belknap to be adequately funded to protect and serve that community? Right. And and what we came up with was um, uh, approximately, um, I believe, 
4.7, I, I believe, is uh, to adequately increase the number of police officers, increase the support staff, increase of um, other key positions that, uh, like specialized positions, like school resource officer, drug enforcement officer, canine officers, um, and uh, victim specialists, very important position there. Um, mm -hmm. More supervisors. Uh, okay. With the, with the addition of, of more police officers. Okay, so a lot of emphasis here on, on personnel and salaries. What about other resources that you folks need? Equipment, training, improved facilities. Any yeah, allowances for those? That, that's just a staffing cost. Um, and, and so uh, in addition to that, it would be the operational cost. That, that okay. includes uh, training equipment, um, uh, costs like that. So those are included as well in this four point seven million dollars. Yeah, that, that, I, I believe that was the number. I believe that was the number that that we had come up with with more officers, staffing, um, and operational costs to include that. Okay, I, I believe that was that was the increase. Now, what about other funding sources beyond the BIA? Are those an option? Uh, we did seek out um, grants last year. And, and we did get uh, funding for one um, cost grant officer, uh, and I think that was for five years, and, and one victim specialist, um, and that was for like three years, I believe. So we did reach out, and we did, we did get funding for uh, two personnel. Uh, yeah. Looking ahead here, um, so what happens if this funding – need isn't met what, what happens to the community going forward if these numbers don't increase with regard to the budget you know we're, we're just the the community's still going to be uh, negative negatively uh, affected it's going to be have a negative impact on uh you know without victim specialists uh you know so in the last 25 years you, you got families and victims um going through that that uh, generational uh, trauma, you know, uh, victim specialists are very key in um, in help helping uh, victims. Um, you, you're going to have continued continuation of uh, shortage of staff, uh, just basic bare bones law enforcement. Um, yeah, like being proactive, being proactive, um, for instance. Um, the lack of crime prevention uh, strategies, enforcing those, um, but it, it it will have continued to have the same the same impact it has in the last twenty five years. Uh, we'll be we'll be in the same position if we don't okay. get this funding. Okay, Gary, can you give an exam a specific example of a situation where more funding? could have made a difference, uh, maybe a specific case or a crime that was committed. If you just had more money going towards that problem, wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it was about a year ago. Uh, we had um, shortage, of, shortage of staff. Um, I think we only had like four police officers to cover on a 24-hour 24 24-hour um, shift coverage. So uh, there was one officer uh, working and uh, there was there was uh, an individual that uh, was driving intoxicated and was parked, but the vehicle pulled over another vehicle uh, accidentally. Um, 
uh, while she was intoxicated. And, and it was only one officer on to respond. And, and the officer was 40 miles away, responded, had to help the EMTs and um, escorted, help escort um, the individual to IHS. And in, in, the, in the meantime, you know, the officer, um, the officer missed critical, critical evidence, uh, which, which could have, you know, that, that uh, by federal statute would be a, a, a manslaughter. So we lost key evidence in that, um, in that case in particular. Now, there are other cases where, um, you know, officers respond to domestic violence alone. Uh, in which there are firearms involved, um, very violent situations, assaults, um, homicides, in which you know officers respond to by themselves, um, and that's 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 uh, an officer safety issue. That's mm-hmm. uh, you know a public safety issue. Um, but yeah, we're dealing we're dealing with that. Well, Gary, thanks for, for chiming in here and joining our conversation. I'm going to move on now to Gene Lovaldo, Gino Lovaldo, excuse me, who is also up in Fort Belknap. He's the Grovan at-large council member for the Fort Belknap Indian community. And Gino, please tell our listeners, how high a priority are these law enforcement funding issues with tribal council there at Fort Belknap? Well, um, good morning, and thanks for uh, listening to our story. I imagine it's uh, happening all over Indian country. But... um. It's extreme. It's um, it's to the point that we're 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 at our wit's end. You know, for over two decades, we haven't got funding. You know, um, and uh, uh, the president and uh, CI Lemire, you know, are spot on. You know, I was a, I was a JPO for um, since 2014, for the past eight years before I got on the council, and um, seeing these generations. You know, I'm 47 years old, and seeing people, um, mom and dad older than me, and kids my age, and seeing how they're raised and so on and how they raise their kids and now their kids are having kids and like officer uh our supervisor lemire was saying that uh you know it's, it's getting out of hand we um we exhausted all options we tried this we tried that we, we 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 uh put in for this we put in for that we asked for answers nothing was given nothing uh there was no straight answer uh oh, we'll call this one call that one it's like uh you know and not only that, our suicide rate is kind of off the chart up here. I know we have one of the highest suicide rates for our youth up here. Um, I think we lost about, well, in the past 10 years now, eight years. I'd say about the last uh, five years, it's been bad. Um, we lost about eight or nine kids, and I worked with three of them. And after three of them, I was going to move on to something else. But, you know, and that, that was that, that was another thing that, uh, you know, the, um, that pushed me, I guess, pushed a lot of us forward to seeing this, uh, you know, you know, um, you know, we're pretty much in a rock and a hard place, and I'm pretty sure everybody's like that, and we want answers, you know, because uh, it's uh, it's getting to the point that, uh, you know, we're desperate. We're desperate up there. We're desperate up here, and only having uh, four officers last year, and, and it ain't like we've been it ain't like we've been sitting idle. You know, we've been putting in for grants. We've been hustling for this. We've been hustling for that, you know, and, uh, you know, and in response, you know, we, you know, we, and, uh, we met with, uh, you know, for, a few people and they, they had options, but we, we, we did that. You know, we, like we were saying, um, I, I don't know if, if they're not listening to us, if they're just not paying attention to us, or if they forgot about us, 
or if, if or if, if if this was their purpose of um their funding you know maybe it is to weed each other out weed us out i don't know but mm-hmm. right now uh you know this is why we're this is why the president this is why off uh ci uh, supervisor lamir and you know the council and you know us, this is why we're pushing it so hard and, and and listening to these other stories and meeting with these other people uh you know that are you know uh, with this lawsuit with us you know it's uh it's heartbreaking it's like you know we're going through the same thing it's like uh it's like uh hey look at look at us and it's you know and it's 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 like we're desperate now we we have no other options but to do this and the mitigation we 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 we, we uh you know to stop with them but there was no explanation there was no offer you know there was just like well why do you think we got to give you more money you know that was mm. the kind of response and i'm like well we're dying up here it's a treaty obligation you know so gino I think where an issue like this really sends shivers to Native folks is, is there's such a strong movement right now among tribes to to compact BIA services, run programs and services ourselves. And of course, we all know the rationale, right? I mean, we're better qualified to serve our communities than the federal government, and no one knows our communities like we do. We understand the needs. No one cares about our communities like we do. But yet, in this case, uh, the model isn't working. And for you and our other guests, uh, you've discussed this. And so what is the answer? Uh, And I'm really thinking about anyone listening today from a tribal community uh, who might have questions and is thinking maybe they're currently uh, under BIA law enforcement, but they're interested in switching to tribal law enforcement. What do you tell that person? Any advice? I'd say, I'd say, um, look at your community. You look at your people, you know, get the feel of what your needs and what your ills are and, you know, what your strengths are and um, make a good informed decision, you know, if you're thinking about going to tribe. Because right now, you know, um, with the with the lacking funding for over two decades, obviously they ain't paying attention to um, us. And it ain't like we're um, not saying we're waving, we're yelling at them, hey, look at us, look at what's going on. Look! Look at our numbers. Look! Look! Look at our numbers compared to um, BI. Uh, you know, look! Look at the the funding. What they get? Like, what's going on with that? You know, but I, I would say get together, get informed, and um, look at your strengths, weaknesses of your reservation. You know, the people. You you know, you know the feel, the feel for your people and what they need, and just just make an informed decision. But that that'd be my best advice because like right now, um, we're uh, we're dying up here. Okay. In the lawsuit, how confident are you that this lawsuit will be successful? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, you know how uh, we're just kind of weary um, of government, you know, and so it could, uh, I don't know, just, just uh, hopeful, hopeful, but, you know, weary, hopeful, but weary. Okay. Okay, I want to pivot back to President Jeffrey Stiffarm. And Jeffrey, in the press, you've been critical of the Biden administration and specifically Department of Interior regarding these funding issues. What do you want those folks in Washington to understand? I, I really want them to um, see our story, hear our, hear our words. Come here, not only to Port Bonham, but... Um, all these reservations that have the same issue that we do, and that's basically the lack of funding for our contracts to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And, and, and they're not listening. 
You know, what really irks me, too, was, you know, we're in the middle of our water settlement, and Fort Belknap is the winter's doctrine tribe, which basically paved the way for um, tribes across the country to get water, their fair share of the water. We're just now getting our settled. But during our, our work on trying to get our settlement done, you know, the Department of Interior sees the Navajo tribe over water, and they win. And Department of Interior is supposed to be here to take care of the tribes, take care of the Indian people. You know, where are their priorities? What are they doing? We got uh, the Secretary of Interior, Deb Holland, is an enrolled member. Assistant Secretary Brian Newland is an enrolled member. What are they thinking? Why are they going up against these tribes and they're, and they're there they're sworn to protect and help us? And they're not. That's where I'm very frustrated at. And we're not getting the help that we request. Um, what was really frustrating was last year, out of Rocky Mountain Travelers leaders down in Billings, where other uh, tribes in there, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, have meetings, reported meetings. Uh, Assistant Secretary Newland came in there and gave a kind of an update on BI report. And in his report, he says, um, we're going to give our BIA officers raises because we're a training ground. Because they, we get them trained up, we hire them, we train them up, and they move on to higher-paying jobs. And I looked at him, and you know, so I raised my hand to ask him a question, and I asked him, I said, you know, um, Mr. Newland, I said, you're using that line on us here today, what I've been telling you for the past four years. The tribes are training ground. We, we hire them, and the base pay is so low that, you know, they move on to BIA or they move on to county. I said, you used that line on us today. You stole my line. I said, I have a couple questions for you. Are the tribes going to get the same raises, the tribal police officers get the same raises as the BIA officers? He said, no. I said, okay. My other question is, where are you going to get this money from to give your BIA officer raises and not the tribes? Are you taking it from the tribes cut? And he wouldn't give me a response. But that's okay. the total frustration that I have with the, with the Department of Cheerio. They don't care about the tribes. All right. All right. I, I do want to repeat uh, our disclaimer. We, we did reach out to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, the Department of Interior, but uh, agency spokesperson said they aren't able to provide anyone by showtime today to talk about this issue. We've got a break here in a couple of minutes, but we've got time for a caller. Joletta, who is listening in Fort Berthold, North Dakota on KMHA. Joletta. What's your question or comment? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, <clears throat> thanks for taking my call. I'm listening following the discussion on law enforcement on Fort Belknap, and I truly uh, emphasize and support what Belknap, the Fort Belknap people are doing. And I would agree with Jerry Stiffarm. It's not uh, just Fort Belknap that's experiencing this, nor its tribal members. Um, most, I would say, a lot of reservations are inadequately funded and staffed in law enforcement, and reservations have vast amount of surface to under their jurisdiction to cover. What I would suggest is that because this is probably a bigger discussion that needs to take place, is that tribal members organize to approach this, the Congress to actually speak before them on the effectiveness of their tribal government. When, when the Congress created and organized tribes, did they intend for so much uh, lack of services 
to be a part of that uh, creation. We need to speak up, and we need to have people in Congress who are ready and willing to listen to the tribal member. Uh, many times tribal governments, uh, for whatever reasons, do not prioritize public safety matters. Thank you. Joletta, thank you for uh, an excellent call. Good, good take, good perspective. Joletta up in Fort Berthold Reservation calling in. Anyone else with a question or a comment? Anyone else from Fort Berthold or Northern Cheyenne? That number again is 1-800-996-2848. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we will talk with John Grinsell, and he is on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. Stay with us, folks. Did you know that bare space is best when it comes to your baby's sleep? That's right. When you keep their crib free from toys, pillows, blankets, and other loose objects, you can drastically reduce the risk of suffocation. All your little one needs is to be placed on their back atop a tightly fitted sheet to ensure a safer night's rest. More infant sleep safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. You're listening to Native America Calling. Still time to join this conversation about BIA responsibility for funding law enforcement. Share comments and questions on the air by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And before we move on to guest John Grinsell there on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation, let's take a caller, Chanupa, who is listening in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, on Keeley. How you doing, Chanupa? Hey, I'm doing excellent and great because I stand up for people that are in need of assistance and help. Listen, Sean, I want to share something with all you police officers. Take my phone number down. When you get done with the radio show, call Chanupa, 605-517-2621. Again, 605-517-2621. Here's my comment. My grandfather, Roy Martin, was the chief of police here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And under his belt, he had seven officers, including him. It was eight. And they had community action networking. Okay? So they involved the people. We didn't have corruption. We didn't have any of this. We didn't have murders. We didn't have nothing of that. Okay? Until the long arm of the law, which is federal government, eliminated the powers that can rectify traditional elements of the way our ancestors carried out law and order, which was traditional societies. We don't do that anymore. We got a badge and we got a gun. And once that gets into our midst, we abuse that power. And you officers know that. It's not the question of money. It's the question of life skills. How are we better going to serve our people that need help? Law enforcement are evicting people from their homes when the problem ain't the people. It's the system, and that's the government. And, Sean, thank you for an excellent day to have this kind of comment and questions be brought towards law enforcement. If they want help, you have to listen to your people. Thank you, and I'm going to listen on. All right, Chanupa, thank you for that good take there. And it, it does raise a point because... Um, community-centered 
policing and and maybe more training for for mental health and substance abuse professionals, other people that can provide support. Um, interesting, interesting uh, concept there from Chanupa. Our next guest, John Grinsell, Supervisory Criminal Investigator for the Northern Cheyenne. John, thank you for your patience. I appreciate you waiting to join our discussion. And I know you have concerns with BIA law enforcement funding, but it's a little bit different than what we've heard so far from up there at Fort Belknap. What's your issue on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation? So on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation, the we have what they call direct service programs. So the BIA actually administers the uniform patrol on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. The tribe 638 contracted the criminal investigation division from the, the BIA a um, little over a year ago. And so the tribe is, is uh, runs the CI program. The criminal investigation division handles uh, the felonies, felony crimes and works with the FBI and, and uh, different federal programs like that. So the um, the BIA actually does the, um, the the uniform division, which is the misdemeanor crimes. They handle the misdemeanor crimes. But okay, uh, just like any other reservation, if there's there's lack of funding here. I don't know if it's lack of funding. They say it's lack of resources, lack lack of recruitment. Um, they they only have um, six to seven officers here um, to patrol. Um, you know, four hundred over four hundred thousand acres. Um, a lot of times there's only, uh, you know, two on shift. The other thing that they do, too, is um, they closed our local jail here. Uh, so our local jail was moved to um, Hardin. Uh, the BIA um, came in and did that um, back in 2017. Uh, they promised that uh, by moving the jail to Hardin, which is 50-some miles away, uh, they would offer recovery programs and, and um rehabilitation programs for our people uh, when they move the, the Harden facility. However, that has not happened. Um, it's a 400-bed facility that they moved it to. Um, however, they don't take over 100 prisoners, and that's between the um, Northern Cheyenne and Crow Reservation. So Northern Cheyenne gets 50 beds, and um, Crow gets 50 beds. When there's an overflow of prisoners, they ship our people down to Oklahoma, and um, when they go to Oklahoma, if they get bonded out or if they if they're uh, they get released, they have no charges. They only have a transportation that comes up once a month. So if you're um, if you get released and they don't have a transport for you, you have to sit down there um, until they do have a transport. And some people have sat down there for three weeks. Um, they don't release you in Oklahoma. They, they have to transport you back. Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem for us. Um, when we 638 contracted, um, we went into the negotiations. They had three criminal investigators here. We were able to prove that. Um, the 638 law says that the BIA has to fund the tribe the same amount that they fund or that it would take to run the program so they had three investigators we got their uh, expenditure reports and their expenditure reports showed that it takes uh, one criminal investigator was uh spending uh is spending two hundred thirty thousand dollars and so that's what we asked for 
And um, they turned around and told us, no, 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 you only get the secretarial amount. And the secretarial amount is only 200000 which is not enough to fund uh, one criminal investigator. And what was and the so rationale we, behind that, if I might ask? We, we don't was... know. We, we don't know. We, we're still trying to get that answer. Uh, nobody can explain the secretarial amount. That's the other frustrating thing is when you enter into negotiations with them, um, they're – they're, uh, they don't know. They send people um, that can't say yes. They can only say no. So when we ask for increased funding, they always say, well, we have to get back to you on that. Um, so it's very frustrating, the negotiation process. And I would go so far as to the leadership, the regional leadership is incompetent because they've, they've never been to the reservation or they come down here whenever there's good times and then they go back. So they don't know what actually goes on on the reservation. Um, they, a lot of them haven't haven't been in law enforcement long. Uh, we we're, we are um, challenging the the uh, competency of the leadership. Uh, their their patrol division here, they have good officers. They're good young officers. They need leadership, and um, they don't provide that leadership, and so. Um, you have a lot of officers that are running around here um, with either one or two years experience with, with no guidance. And it, it's very tough. It's very tough to see that, uh, especially when I've been in law enforcement for uh, over 25 years. Um, they, they should not be doing that. Um, the leadership is just is, is very incompetent. And when they sit down and negotiate with you, um, when we ask these questions of, okay, where do you get that figure at? They, they, they can't answer you. All right. All right. John, what do you need up there? I mean, tell us what would be the ideal uh, the, the ideal budget, the ideal amount of personnel, the ideal operational um, necessities. What do you need? The, the next phase, because of the incompetence of the BIA, that is um, their, their, the leadership of their patrol division, we are asking we, our next phase is to ask for four more positions and we're going to go after uh, four more positions so that we can hire four more criminal investigators to do a lot of the follow-ups that the BIA fails to follow up on. Uh, they only have uh, five to six officers so there's a lot of follow-ups that don't um, that don't happen. Um, there's a lot of thefts from our local IGA store that don't get followed up on. Um, just recently we had an arson um, at our thrift store um, that never got followed up on. It was a misdemeanor, so uh, my staff had to go and follow up on that. Um, so we're getting inundated with a lot of calls that the BIA should be doing. So we're right. asking for four more criminal investigators um, to to do a lot of those follow-ups. John, Northern Cheyenne and Fort Belknap, you're both in the BIA's Rocky Mountain region. Oglala Lakota, who's involved in this lawsuit, they're in the Great Plains region. Do you in any way feel that some of these issues we're talking about today are perhaps regional with regard to, to the BIA and Department of Interior Oversight? I'm just thinking the, the of other BIA, tribes, other, other parts the, of the country. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's a problem all the way around because you have what they call special agent in charges. The special agent in charges... Uh, they send them to the table to negotiate a lot of these issues, and they don't have the authority 
to say yes or no, uh, but they do have the authority to say no. And so that's the, a lot of the frustration um, that, that tribes feel when they go in to, to try to negotiate. And this secretarial amount, I don't know where that comes from, but um, that needs to be uh, really looked at. I think the system, the funding system of the BIA needs to be uh, scrutinized more because Congress allocates the money to the BIA and then the BIA uh, gives it to the tribes. And there's only 20 20 some direct service programs. So BIA only runs over a little over 20 departments. The tribes run over 200 departments, but the majority of the money goes to the BIA. So that needs to be really, really looked at and scrutinized. And um, that's what we, we'd like for Congress to start doing is, is how is the BIA? And I commend uh, Mr. Jeff Stifflin, uh, the tribal president, for sending that letter to the regional Rocky Mountain Regional District and asking to review their program and uh, see what they're spending their money on. Uh, I think all tribes need to do that. We need to see what the BIA is spending their money on. Gina, what are you hearing from, from tribal citizens there on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation? Are, are they fed up? Are they frustrated? There's a huge gap of uh, distrust from the community because um, the BIA, because of the lack of manpower, the, the response time um, used to be five, 10 minutes. Now it's generated to hour, hour and a half. Um, that's very frustrating for our citizenry. There's lack of follow-up because of the lack of personnel. Uh, these guys are handling, um, you know, 150 to 200 calls for services a week, which is, um, and there's only, uh, you know, only two of them at night, um, sometimes one. Um, so it's it's very frustrating when they uh, when uh, people uh, there's lack of follow up. I know um, our businesses are, are are getting broken into, and um, now that um, we're starting to feel that um, that lack of follow up. So we're going to have to start picking it up uh, and do the follow up for the BIA, which we don't get the money for. The other thing is is the BIA gets the money for the drug program. Um, they came in and did a great presentation probably about two months ago, and we haven't seen them since. Um, so, um, we, we, you know, we, we need uh, the BIA to, to step up and, and start doing what they promised to do. John, what's being done by the tribe to address this level of distrust that the community has? Well, we are slowly taking over the law enforcement program. Um, our uh, first, first step was to take over the Criminal Investigation Division um, because of the MMU situation. So we have done that. And um, now we are taking over the Telecommunications Center. Um, we're currently in negotiations with the BIA for that. Again, uh, the lack of money, the lack of funding has, has caused um, a lot of strife. Uh, with that negotiation process, uh, they keep changing, uh, changing the bar uh, for us. Um, and again, uh, they 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 require that our telecommunications operators be uh, trained and um, a background check be done, which is fine. That's good. But when we see the BIA, the BIA doesn't train their personnel 
uh, to go in there and do the dispatch. So they have different standards. They have their standard, and they require a higher standard of the drives, uh, which uh, ultimately um, underfunded um, contributes to a, a, a lot of our lack of training and um, the, the lack to hire qualified uh, and good quality people. Thank you, John. I want to go back to President Jeffrey Stiffarm for our, our final closing comments before we wrap up the show. And President Stiffarm, you know, these, these problems that we're hearing about with regard to the BIA law enforcement agencies, these funding issues, um, are there any examples of tribes who are, are doing a good job or, or adequately funded, I should say? Let me just reword that as adequately funded and aren't facing some of these systemic funding challenges that are that we're talking about today? And if so, what are those tribes doing? How are they able to make up for these shortfalls from, from the BIA? I'm not really aware of any tribe that has um, 638 contracted their uh, public safety program that is adequ adequately funded. They do, um, some of these tribes, they have, they like the crow, they have their, their coal mine. Some of these tribes have oil on their land that they're um, developing. So if, if these tribes have extra money coming in from places like that, they, they move their money towards public safety. They boost, um, maybe buy them equipment, maybe buy them uniforms, things like that. That way they can turn around and, and use that money that's earmarked for equipment with the six programs towards wages to keep these officers. So tribes that have money in their coffers that offer their natural resources, they, they, they do have fully adequate uh, funded uh, programs. The tribes like us in Northern Cheyenne and I'm sure on Pine Ridge, you know, we don't have no mining. We don't have no oil that we're developing. So we solely rely on these 638 monies that we get from the Bureau of Indian Affairs. All right. I'm sorry. We're going to have to wrap up the conversation now, President Stiffarm. We're out of time, but I do want to thank all of our guests today, President Jeffrey Stiffarm, Gary Lemire, Gino Livaldo, John Grinsell as well, and also our, our, two, our callers today. Really appreciate you folks calling in and joining the discussion. Really riveting conversation on law enforcement funding challenges in tribal communities. Join us tomorrow as we look at the long-lasting effects on Native Americans from atomic bomb testing. Until then, stay safe and stay cool. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA and you will definitely be on your way to a winning path. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. I'm Michael, and I used to smoke. I never used to think about breathing. Then my left lung collapsed, and I was diagnosed with COPD. Now I think about breathing all the time. I'm on an oxygen machine so I can breathe. I take medicine so I can breathe. My tip is, enjoy the breaths you don't have to think about. You don't know how long you'll have them. Smoking can cause COPD. You can quit. For free help, visit cdc.gov slash quit now. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.